You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com/audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com/audio. That's carshield.com/audio. Happy Monday. This is a happy Monday. Sometimes I say happy Monday and I'm like, fuck Monday, but I love y'all. So happy Monday. But this is a good one. It is the first Monday that my child is in school. He's a school age child. I made it. I made it and I didn't go crazy. Or did I? Or did I? Did I? Last Monday was Labor Day, so, you know, that one didn't count. And then Friday they had a half day, but I'm not going to, you know, be a bitch, but I'm going to be a bitch. (laughs) All my neighbors, which a lot of them suck, a lot of them suck. Their kids go to the public schools here, and they're not bad. I'm sure they're wonderful. I'm sure they're wonderful. But the teachers are on strike, so their kids are at home with them. (laughs) Ha, 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 ha. Yes, that all came from a bitchy, low-vibration place. Moving onward and upward. But yeah, mommy's gotten her schedule back. You know, I'm getting to work out when I want now. Pilates body in it back, baby. I get a little extra self-care, a little extra, extra time to love on the fucking podcast. By the way, subscribe. If you're not subscribed, go listen to the archive. There's a lot of information. I love when I meet y'all or y'all DM me and you're like, I've gone from the beginning to the end. And I love seeing, and I want to die when you share that with me. I'm like, you could have skipped the first 20, but it's cool to hear. You're like, but you can see the evolution and the growth. And it's just really cool to listen to. And that's, that makes me really giddy when you tell me that. Last week, we talked about sex positions. The week before, we finished up our two-part anal series, and today, I just wanted to do listener questions and chat with you and kind of just explore some different topics that are probably really relatable for people who are married or in committed relationships, and you're navigating how to stay connected, how to keep fucking and enjoying it and the ups and downs that come along with that. So let's just have Freaky Fam locker room talk today. Next week, you'll get to hear an interview. So bringing another guest, an expert, a real life expert to give you the scoop, take some notes he's from. And for now, I think we should just kick it off with the listener questions because y'all have got some shit. Y'all have been really upping the anonymous submissions from my website, thehornyhousewifepodcast.com. I've gotten so many more than normal and I'm loving it. Like bring it on. You can also DM me. I always keep you anonymous. No worries. I just mentioned how we had an anal series 
recently. I had a listener question very recently. Someone asked me about, they didn't understand how I was saying doing missionary and anal is the best position to do it in. They're like, I don't understand. So I just wanted to break it down and describe it as best I can via microphone instead of like showing you, but just Google it. Google anal and missionary and Google image search, I'm sure won't let you down, but you're going to be on your back, girlfriend, and he's going to be on top of you. And instead of the top hole, we're going to the bottom hole, the brown starfish. So you're going to have to maneuver if you want like a pillow under your lower back or something to hoist you or dude, get your hands back there. You can, you can, I'm trying to literally jolt my body up right now as I'm telling you this do a bridge. You can bridge up baby girl. And he will go in the brown starfish. And because you are bridging up baby, you're going to have a lot of friction between the clit and his abs, abdomen, or his dad bod, or his beer belly, or his extra cushion for pushing, whatever, his stomach, his lower stomach, abdomen region. Your clit is going to be right? Not even his stomach. What's the part of between your stomach and your dick? That part. Why do, isn't there a name for that? I feel like there's definitely a name, like your foop, your upper pussy area, <laughs> not your fupa, your upper dick region, your UDR, your uter. Get to work on that baby girl. Act like that's a little washing board and you're the washcloth and you are just getting a stain out. I don't know where that analogy came from. Anyways, that will definitely direct your brain and body to experience the pleasure coming from that sensitive little clitoris versus your butthole being ripped open. And I know it won't completely take the pain away. You'll feel your ass being entered but it will definitely make it more enjoyable. And really, you only have to get over like the initial entering. And if you're with a guy who you're like, dude, you have no idea. His dick is so fucking big, bitch. This is not something any girl wants in her asshole. And I love him. And I don't know how I'm going to do this. I do feel bad for you. I, I am sending you love and light, baby girl. And that's why like some like dudes like that, if you have this like monster dick, like shut the fuck up. Okay. Because you, you want, can I go get a monster dildo when we find your G spot, bro? Okay, You know? So anywho, I just had to clarify for the listener who wanted some clarification on what exactly it meant by trying or having anal sex in that position because doggy is not probably the most comfortable. If you're a beginner, like that is not an enjoyable position, just being real talk. And I think that if you switched it to missionary, you would be like, oh, wow, I had an orgasm doing that. So thank me later. And speaking of thanking me, the first listener question will be short and sweet, but I had to answer it because if there are women that do not know this, I am literally about to save your life. So I struggle a lot with tearing and dryness down there. Even though I want my husband, it hurts when he puts it in. How do I improve the dryness and tearing during sex? Okay. I thought everyone knew, but just in case, I hope to God you're using lube. 
Like I would assume that you're using lube because if you're not, then what the fuck? I just had to say that, but I'm sure you are. So let's say if that's still not working and this is your situation, which I firsthand, I have never experienced this, but I did my research because I immediately assumed that there would be prescriptions, there would be a lot of options and that there were women that related with you. And I was right. There are several products, just Google girlfriend that can help you in this department, as well as going to the length of like going to your doctor and getting a solution. Why the fuck not? Don't live like that girl. That is not fair to you. That's not fair to your man. That's not fair to your body. You deserve to get off and you deserve to have sex. And it sounds like you want him. So waste no time. Run, run, run. Men and women, if you ever come up with an issue that has literally halted your sex life, don't write into me. Hop on Google as fast as you can. And I, I know there's misinformation and the, like check your website. Don't go on like a Reddit forum and try like this holistic remedy that like fuck you 6972 wrote on Reddit. Like go to a legit website <laughs> or go to the doctor. Moving on to question number two. She's going to be a straight shooter today. Missing out housewife. My husband and I have a good marriage. We enjoy sex with each other, but we never give each other oral sex. We've been married for 10 years with three kids, and he only went down on me the one time early in our relationship. I was 19 and self-conscious and didn't know what I liked and told him I didn't like it much back then. He has never tried again. It's been 14 years, and I have given him a few blowjobs, but he complains I don't do a good job. I am actually terrified when I do it, as I feel he's putting so much pressure on me to do a good job. I struggle with teeth, sucking, and the whole thing feels scary as he is there judging me. We communicate well about everything else, but oral seems to be the taboo subject in our marriage. Since listening to your podcast, we have done so many more fun things, including cock devotion, hand job session, but now I feel like it's my time to receive and get another try at receiving oral sex. Please help with any kind or toxic advice. Oh girl, I love you. Thank you for listening. And I'm going to fucking help you out. So before you even bring any of this shit up or we go about this in any way, you need to do a self-check. You, This is like locker room talk, I said, right? So I'm going to talk to you right now as if you were just standing right in front of me and no one was around us and we were at a slumber party and watching Breakfast at Tiffany's and having girl talk, okay? Make sure your vagina is super hygienic, like you are good to go down there. I would be t- like eating a lot of pineapple and f- mango and fruit. Okay. Every day I want you to have like a big serving of fruit and stay away from red meat. I don't know why I'm going to this length. You don't have to take it to this length. I'm just speaking from the heart because you want him to be like, that was a good fucking experience. So let's give him a really good experience so that He can't wait till round two. I'm not saying stop eating red meat. I was just saying, let's make it a dessert for him because it's been a while. Now, I am not saying this has anything to do with like, oh, you were gross one time and he never wanted to come back because I, going back in your question, I think you said 
that he asked how it was and you didn't really care for it. You were self-conscious. You didn't know what you liked and told him I didn't like it much back then. So there could be, you don't need to get all hung up on the reason as to why. I actually discourage you from trying to get some explanation. I think we need to just move forward. I think that that could add anxiety, pressure, just around the situation. And I just feel like your vibe and your question, it feels like it's unnecessary to stir that shit up. Now, if it was me, I probably wouldn't be able to help it because my just impulsive nature would take over and I'd be like, what the fuck, motherfucker? But I do not recommend that. I recommend, like I said, just do a self-scan and if you haven't shaved, I don't give a fuck what you're, if you're like, it's going to itch, I mean, I don't like, do it, do it as you're, I'm going to be your big sister right now, do it. And you can go get a wax and it's going to really fucking hurt and you're going to scream. Or if you want to get like uh, a shaver, like a electric one first and just go at it. And then when it gets really close, like go in the shower with a new blade and be careful. And But it, it goes fine. I promise you. I've never cut my clit off. One time almost. One time almost. <laughs> but I was being reckless was why. I was being reckless. So once said self-scan is done and you're like, damn, I would eat this thing. Okay. That's where we're at. Then we are going to move into plan. Plan A of action to get him on, like maybe a 69, I'm just, my brain, I'm just racking with thoughts. First of all, we have to get the anxiety out. And I know easier said than done, easier said than done. I highly suggest you doing some like outside research beyond my like short go-to advice, because I'm going to tell you what I think you should do and how you should go about sucking his dick, etc. But I think you need to do your homework. There are so many ways you could go about finding, watching, educated Google to learn about how to give a good blowjob and tips, etc. and deep throating. But I think we're jumping ahead there. And the first thing first is if you want to feel confident, you're saying, I feel like it's toothy, he said, and that it, you're not good at it. So let's just give you some basics and try to make this the most pleasurable experience where you don't feel like it's too much pressure or you're like, what the fuck am I doing this right? And he's enjoying himself. So just remember that your hand is going to be your best friend. And you are going to be giving him an HJBJ, a hand job, blow job. So just focus on the tip of his dick and cover your teeth with your lip. Don't put your teeth on his dick. Try to avoid that and focus on the tip. Swirly, swirly. You don't have to immediately just shove it in your mouth. Before you go into said blow job, I want you to lick up and down the shaft, play with it, stroke it, spit on it, get it wet, and go into this. I don't care if you have to meditate, do a little dance, uh, shake it off, scream, don't get all in your head, like do something, work out, go on a run, and hype yourself up. Be like, I am going to suck his dick so good. You need to be like hyping yourself up, bitch, and be into it. Because if you're not into it, if you're going at it like timid and afraid, it's not hot. So wait, if you have to like give yourself two weeks of a hype up sesh, he can wait another two weeks. 
because I think you really want to go into this and knock it out of the park. This sitch right here, girlfriend, has the potential to really just shake it up in your relationship and y'all are going to go on like an oral sex exploration journey for a month and a half. Do you want that? I think you want that. So when you go at this blowjob, when his dick is there, when you're cock devotioning, get down there and licky licky, swirly swirly, get your hand involved. That'll be working the shaft and use your mouth and follow it up with the hand. So go down. You don't have to go down even halfway if you don't want to, so that you're making sure no teeth, you're not hurting him. He's just going to enjoy this oral sex because he obviously, I can't believe y'all have gone this long. I'm so excited. You must follow up with me. I am requesting that, please. Uh, No, you don't have to, but that would really be exciting. And so follow up with your hand. If you need to like Google what I'm saying, I'm sure a video will pop up. I'm sure something will pop up. And by the way, while you're doing this, have him lay, lay down on his back, like not sitting in a chair, okay? Laying on his back so you're not feeling like he's looking down judging you. Like, look at the ceiling, Todd, okay? I don't know. But just don't worry about him. Don't even fucking worry. Think about what I'm telling you, okay? Put AirPods on, and I'm going to go, go, girl, go, girl. You got this. Suck this dick. Suck this dick. Put this on loop. Can you just screen record this part and then play it over and over and over while you're on his head? I want you to follow up with your mouth. Stroke, stroke, lick, lick, swirl, swirl, spit on it. Look at him. Spit on it. Work the spit. Work the spit. Work the spit. Go down. Sucky, sucky. Sucky, sucky, swirl. Sucky, sucky, swirl. Now lick his asshole. Just kidding. (laughs) That was fun. That was fun. Where were we? Mastering your first blowy. This is what, and this is the first because it's the first of the beginning for you. So once you have chuckled at what I just told you, digested it, processed it, accepted it as the truth, then you are going, and your pussy's looking pretty, your pussy looks pretty, you know how you're going to go suck this dick. And you're like, wait, Jordan, this was about me. I'm wanting him to eat my pussy. Why are you telling me how to suck his dick? Because that's how you're going to go into it. You're going to cock devotion, and then you're going to go put your mouth on it. And you know what? Maybe if you feel comfortable, I'm going to say go ahead and enter phase two right then and there. What's phase two? What's phase two? You're going to turn and you're going to plop it down. So make sure you summer's eved your pussy and your asshole because he's going to have a great view. And if you're like, Jordan, I can't do this, then put the covers over you. Wait till it's night. I don't care what it is. Just make sure everything is summer's eve. You're clean. You're just clean. And that's all that will matter. He won't care. He's not doing an examination. And maybe, maybe he'll be so turned on and so aroused at your badassery in your initiation that he's just going to try to please and it's going to go well and he's and it's going to go well for you and you can ride his face if he's doing a bad job. You can show him which way to swirl and twirl and go and the friction and the force. Now, maybe phase two was a little aggressive, so I'm going to give an alternate option. <laughs> After you give said delicious oral sex for him, you've licked his dick and you've showed him that you're ready to do new shit, you're going to say, I am ready for you to eat my kitty. And I'm sure he's going to have seen it that you pampered. Maybe he'll even make a comment. Maybe he won't even have to suck his dick. Maybe he'll just see what you've done to your pussy and he'll go, what's that about? And you're going to go, I really want you to lick me down there. Like, 
Why the fuck not? Just tell him. Say it. He can't read your mind. He cannot read your mind. None of them can. I keep waiting and hoping that the male species will evolve and they're not going to be mind readers. So just accept it and tell him what you want. Are we really almost at 20 minutes and I have made this into its own episode? Okay, well, girlfriend, step one, let's get confidence and make your pussy pretty. Then you're going to read up, learn up about the BJ and take the horny housewife's advice on how you're going to go about it. And you're going to have a conversation with your hubby and telling him that you want to try this. And you're going to get over that you think it's a taboo subject. You're going to quit the narrative in your head that this is uncomfortable and you can't bring it up. And maybe it is uncomfortable, but guess what? Nothing, nothing's going to change. My advice isn't going to do jack shit if you don't take initiative and making it a conversation, making it known. And if you want to go about it, my advice of the just going in and sucking his dick wasn't toxic advice, but it was like maybe more the passive beat around the bush, show him. But I think you just need to do everything I said, basically. Onward. Okay. Hi, I just started listening to the podcast and I'm a big fan. I was hoping to get some advice. My wife and I have been having issues over the last few years. Basically, since our daughter was born, there have been many factors, but the main being that she feels we don't date each other anymore. I don't disagree. I have made attempts to do better in this department for a while now, but I find myself slipping back into roommate mode. I don't mean to do this, but it just happens with the stress of a busy work schedule, caring for our our daughter and financial issues. I am worried that if I can't find a way to be more consistent, that it will be too late and my marriage will fail. We have been together for eight years and married almost four, and she's the only person I've ever been with or dated. I love my wife and want to spend the rest of my life with her. Do you have any advice for staying intentional with dating my wife? Okay, guys, I think a lot of people can relate to this. I also want to just bring up one thing I thought of, which was the seven-year itch. I think it's a real fucking deal. Why do I think it's real? I feel like, you know, I've been with my husband eight years. I feel like there was definitely, you know, where it feels like fork in the road. Like, okay, I got to choose my partner to grow alongside with them. Like, I got to choose them or else I could grow this other direction. So just being more intentional, like you said. And I think that there are, I don't think, I know there are many studies or books, I know this is opinion theory, that around this time that basically that initial uh, interest, passion, rush, you know, it's not as there as much and you're a lot more comfortable and you've lived a certain way for so long. And I think that there's obviously something like healthy about love on this level and being comfortable and feeling safe. But on the other side of that, I think that there's a lot of people, a lot of traumatized, unhealed people that mistake peace for boredom or they, I, I, I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to my, some people that maybe a little toxic or where they just can be self-destructive if they aren't self-aware. That's why practicing self-awareness, living a ritualistic life, meditating and prayer is something really important for me. Working out, doing there are certain things that just I do because I am a better person, slower to react, 
or am I slow to react? I don't think that's how I would describe myself at all. But she she has self-awareness. I, I'm, I see and I see when I fuck up too and I take accountability. You got to do that in your marriage. You really, and that can come easier for some people than others. And I'm not saying if like your person isn't exactly how you want them or doesn't react to things exactly how you want, you just fucking bail because then everyone would fucking bail. But to answer your question, what you need to do, to me, the obvious answer was, was schedule. Get a literally, I don't care. It's not hard. This is a choice. You're choosing this. Make a schedule of what, what your date nights are going to be. Get a sitter ahead of time, whether it's a relative or you get the Bambino app and you interview some ladies, I almost said bitches, and you get a sitter in your life because that you're, you're investing in your marriage. You got to water that bitch. And good for you, dude, because there's so many, I won't lie, I plan most of the fucking dates. And is that something that I complain about? Mm-hmm. So good on you for taking the initiative. I think that that's very leader-esque of you. And I know it's easy. It's so easy. And that was mean. My husband plans dates all the time. I wasn't saying that. I can, I'm just saying that a lot of women, it's on our minds a lot more than maybe the man who has a lot more on his plate. Like you said, stress of a busy work schedule, your daughter, financial issues. But I don't want to be mean, but they're a little bit excuses. So you're worried that if you can't find a way, it'll be too late. It's like, it's not too late yet. And you can do something right now. And right now you can just go to her, make your calendar and then go to her and show her like, this is what I want to do for us. Like I, every this night and this night, we have a date night. And if we can't get a sitter for that, it's we put our daughter to bed at 8.15 and then we have dinner at 8.45 and no electronics. We talk, we hang out, we can watch a movie or you can, you know, have an erotic play date that can be a scheduled, scheduled sex nights. I have said this before that when I was younger, I thought that that was just baffling that people could do that and did that. Just didn't want to get there. I thought it meant like I failed or something. And that is completely wrong. That was small-minded of me. Schedule it. It can actually be the opposite of what you think and be sexy and be arousing because now she can be like, oh, I have this sexy night Thursday, so I'm going to go buy some nipple clamps today so that I'm ready for that because I know I'm going to be fucking. You never know what can happen. What will most likely happen is you start thinking about looking forward to this time and these nights. Now, for people, if you have a person that deals with performance anxiety, scheduling it, you're fucked. I mean, yeah, I, it's just a catch-22, but that's for another day. So how can you be intentional? By being intentional. Ask her her love languages. When you have these little date nights that you're going to carve out time for, you're going to learn about her, and then that's going to deepen intimacy. Your sex life's going to be better because of it. You'll see... What happens when you water and take care of your marriage? You'll see what happens when you are considerate of your partner's feelings and going like, hey, I want to meet your needs. You will see good shit come. I promise you. I literally just saw a TikTok that was like a man who pulled women and it was like, how would you feel if your husband initiated conflict resolution, made you feel heard, fucked you with intention? dated you with intention and the women just I mean just, even I'm gushing it's just, just like safe seen I would n submit I would never 
look at another like I went in hooked line and sinker it's just ding 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 you won it is that's a girl's dream I think that that is what every woman maybe not that I can't say every woman I think that's what a lot of women women the freaky fam women my type of ladies I think that's what we want in a man from our husbands and men don't kill me don't shoot me I know You're human. We're human. And men are probably scoffing like, oh, that's what y'all want. You know what we want. I know you got to takes two to tango. It's a partnership between two people and men have needs as well. But listener that asked this question, it sounds like your needs are met because you're the one that seems concerned or like worried of what could happen and that you love her and you want to be with her. So it sounds like Maybe there she's expressed that she doesn't feel like you're dating each other. And you said you don't disagree. So start it up, crank it up by putting it on the Apple iPhone calendar and just keep doing it. Consistency, consistency. Now this next question slash topic, woo, which I mean, there, there were a few from women. There are a couple, but I'm just going to read this one girl's perspective really interesting. And I think a lot of women can relate and never want to admit it and never want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable and or if they feel shameful. What am I talking about? Insatiable women, women or just women with a really high drive. Funny how I, you know, high libido and then I add in the insatiable. It's almost like I felt like I had to put in this word maybe with a little bit of a negative connotation of like, It's never enough because that's what we're told. We're told, a lot of us are told, oh, you just, it's never enough for you. You just want and want and want. And then it's like a bad thing that we have this hunger inside of us. And I think it is a little bit of both. I think there's also women with a high libido that do feel satisfied. They just like to have a lot of sex. And then there's some women who get off and then it almost like feeds the hunger of like, and they want more and they want more and they want more. And it like, like an addiction almost like cocaine, you know, it runs out quick and they want more. So I lied. I'm not going to just read one. I'm going to read two because I want to share like the polar, like the differences. One was I'm loving your podcast, listening daily. I have a lot of sex stuff I'm working with, curious about it. My main question is, what do you do when you're definitely fucking insatiable? I made a sex room in my house. Laundry, toys, most toys seem like a waste of money to me. Make time often for intentional and long sex sessions. We're both on testosterone therapy, learn to squirt. I love giving blowjobs, read books, watch videos, send dirty text messages daily. Basically, when I'm not fucking, I'm preparing to fuck again. I keep it hot as fuck here. Why am I still unsatisfied? My husband is good with his mouth and dick. I have good orgasms, many good ones, but I'm still hungry. I want new shit so bad. It seems like we've done it all. I'm depressed to think there are no new frontiers. I'm 43. He's 45. Now, wowzer Rooney. I think you would get different answers and opinions based on who you're asking. I think if you were asking the swinger community, I think they would say, come on in, welcome home. You are loved where you belong. And I'm looking at it from a side of like, 
Why is there this hunger and will you ever be satisfied? Will it be on to the next thing? And then maybe you add in other people like, you know, maybe you just keep going and doing all the things and then you're bored again. You know what I mean? I'm coming at you from the psychological angle of what is it for this woman's question? What is it about you that it's you're you're definitely labeling yourself? You are saying that you're unsatisfied. You've said you are fucking insatiable. You have defined yourself. I think this is where looking inward and maybe talking to your partner what they think, what they see. I know you're the only one knows how you feel inside and say you have this hunger, but back to addiction, I think certain things like can be anything that's excessive, super excessive can become something unmanageable and or self-destructive in my opinion. At the very least, it's something that's no longer bringing me joy, but it's bringing me pain or it's bringing me suffering or anxiety. I mean, you've mentioned at the end of the question, you stated depressed to think that there's no new frontiers. I think perspective is incredibly powerful and playing into the longing for more. I think, I believe, I know that you can condition yourself and rewire your brain. I, I mean, I could go into this, but I shan't. Wrong podcast niche. But I think this level of insatiability is different than from the next girl who I'm going to read about her longing for more. So let's let's look at this and then we can make some comparisons. I don't want to read her thing word for word. I don't want to give her away, but someone who's about to get married, she's having sex one to two times a week and she wants more. They have discussed this and she doesn't like that it makes her feel insecure. She feels unwanted. And she's working on her shame and embarrassment of having such a high libido. She finds herself wishing that she could shut off that part of herself altogether. She doesn't want to talk to about her soon-to-be husband about it because they've had this conversation. She feels like it's putting pressure on him or he feels like he's not enough for her and that other people's attention feels good. And just the attention and it's, you know, gives those tinglies and she's about to get married and she's like, I'm hungry and I shouldn't feel that way when I talk to a hot dude that's giving me attention. And she's good to her man, but there's this primal craving for more. Wow. Wow. Ladies, raise your hand if you've ever felt this way (laughs) or better yet, men, Raise your hand if you felt that every fucking man to know any man or woman who feels like they have the higher sex drive in their relationship and it's something that is significant enough, you know exactly how this feels. And you may be a really good person who has never strayed, not emotionally, not physically, in zero way, and you feel this emptiness inside of you of like, I long for this intimacy, attention, this hot fucking sex because my situation is extremely predictable, same old. I've mentioned it. Nothing's changed. And I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but I feel like the mismatch of like compatibility of drive 
will come up and it can switch and flip-flop and the tables can turn throughout seasons of your marriage because it's this ride, right? This sign up, this long time of growing and doing life together. Life fucking happens. And you haven't even married this person. I suggest, I hate, this sucks. So you're like, I'm about to get married, but I had to shoot you straight. And I feel like it's something you're not hopeless. Like you can totally fix this and it will take work. I don't know how it'll go for you, but you gotta fucking have an uncomfortable conversation. And it could be horrific. It could be horrible. And I'm the worst. I would say it probably in the most hurtful way on accident. Like, I have a wandering eye because you are not fucking me enough. But I feel like sometimes saying exactly how you feel can check a person where they're like, oh, shit. I go, oh, shit. I have just thought she, like, is a little bit hornier, but she really actually does want more sex. And I will, I have to ask the question, do you really actually want more orgasms or are you wanting more meaningful intimacy? Are you wanting more physical touch? Are you wanting more of your love language? Are you wanting to feel pursued more intellectually, emotionally? Sometimes I think women will think because the only thing I can get is the sex, the act of, because they're emotionally unavailable or they are lack emotional intelligence. You think that it's just the sex that you want and need when really it wasn't even all about that. It's actually intimacy you're wanting. I don't know that answer. You have, you know that answer. This listener's question mentioning of primal sounds like it is about sex and wanting to fuck. So my advice for you, I would try this before the conversation. I would be like, the conversation needs to happen and it doesn't have to be like, uh, I can't do this if we don't do this. It's just got to be like, Hey, I really want more of this. Don't tell him, don't tell him about the guy at the grocery store. You need to tell him you want more of him. And I would start by initiating sex more. This shouldn't be terribly hard. And maybe you're like, but I want to be pursued. I would start by initiating more and see if he goes along so you're getting off more and if you're if you're having sex more because you initiate and he goes with it and you still feel like empty or undesired because you're like it's just me and he's going along it's kind of seeming like all roads lead to having to talk about it and I know you mentioned you don't want to put pressure on him but girl get ready to be married and have to talk about things and your delivery and timing. Like I always tell men how important it is. It's just important that you pick the right time and place. I fucking fail at that. And believe me, you will suffer the consequences and not get the outcome you want. And then you're delaying it and you've caused shit. So delivery and timing. I'm not saying go jump in sex therapy because then maybe that will be the added pressure because anxiety with sex and talking about it all the time can get you the exact opposite. meaning like it's making a bigger space between you, but I definitely think it's not worth ignoring because it's not going to go away. And also if you're not masturbating, I encourage you to, if it is just a primal sexual need and that's all it is, it's not about intimacy or wanting a certain specific type of attention from your man. And it's just getting off 
then take care of it yourself. Because season, like when you have kids, like it could flip flop. Like I said, the tables may turn or you may be the higher drive partner. And that's just how it is. So better now to situate this out than six years in and two babies later. And that's the truth. The differences in those two women, I think where one woman is definitely that word insatiable. And I can relate to being a person who does get bored quickly and who wants to spice it up or turns to physical affection during boredom, almost like a coping mechanism, if you will. And I think the second girl was longing for something that she feels she's missing in the relationship, maybe wanting to be pursued, maybe being more in her feminine instead of feeling like she's the one initiating and leading their sex life. Both, both situations, this like shame comes along with it, like something's wrong with us for wanting sex. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. If it's something that consumes you where you no longer have control and you're out fucking strangers and living a double life and lying there, yeah, it's a problem that that's a pro- you're causing harm to yourself and to others. But there's a lot of people just living life and in the back of their head, they're like, I feel like a POS because I am craving this. And you're not, you're not, you're just a fucking normal human being with desires And heck, maybe to the first person, maybe y'all are the kind of couple that wants to go on the little secrets, hideaway resorts thing, and you meet your people, and you have the time of your life, and you find a lifestyle that's fitting for you. You know, I don't know those answers. You do. If anyone out there listening has a topic they want me to discuss, or they have a situation they want to share that they think is relatable, or maybe something just fucking wild and off the cuff and totally not relatable, but you want some perspective on it, go to my website, submit on the Ask Anonymously page, or DM me at underscore the Horny Housewife podcast, slide in my DMs, give me all the context you want, and tune in on Mondays. I was going to end this episode with a little new, fresh audio erotica. And if you like it, if you liked that shit, you're like, ooh, I wish there were longer stories. I loved that. Well, I have a Patreon where every Wednesday I read two sexy stories. Right now we have a law firm slut series I'm reading that is just, dude, I don't know how the girl isn't broken and just in a hospital recovering, just torn from the vagina to the asshole. But Sylvia's making it, and I read... Different stories every week, every Wednesday. That link is in the episode notes. Become a patron. I appreciate your support. Get the sexy stories. Message me for some one-on-one convo. And yeah, it's a small little community, but if you like audio erotica, you will definitely like it over there. Damn, this is a good one. And this is a part one, chapter one. So chapter two will be on the Patreon on Wednesday. Office hours, chapter one, male, female, teacher, student. Stop staring at her panties. Stop staring at her panties. Stop staring at her panties. And I believe that's all we have time for today. I announced with a quick glance at the clock. Please make sure to finish reading chapter eight. And if you haven't already, as we'll be covering Maslow's hierarchy of needs. See you all next time. My psychology 1301 students were already packing up before I even finished, and I had to raise my voice higher and higher as I spoke to be heard over the commotion. 
While they filed out, I turned and began erasing my scribblings on the blackboard. That's right. Private high schools had smart boards. While here at community college, I was using chalk. I sighed and dusted my hands off, reprimanding myself for my lecherous thoughts as I turned to collect my lecture materials. I was surprised to see one of the girls still here, standing close to my desk. Panty girl, to be more precise. A tallish, slender brunette with black wireframe glasses. Jean was one of my best students. If her exemplary attentiveness and midterm scores were anything to go by, I would be seeing her again next semester at Psychology 1302. Her and her black lace undergarments. Jean, can I help you? I asked as I began putting away papers. Had she been doing it on purpose, giving me an eyeful? More than likely, she was oblivious of how her legs had been spread during class and I was just being a creep. Yeah, I just had some questions about multiple relationships, she replied. Contrary to her demure appearance, she had a rather forceful way of speaking as if she was talking at you. The dichotomy was jarring at times. Unfortunately, I have another class soon, I said apologetically. Do you want to discuss it over coffee? I stopped packing my things, eyes growing wide. Was she asking me on a date? Pardon? I said, do you have office hours? I blinked at her a few times, trying not to frown. I could have sworn. Had I heard her wrong? She'd never shown signs of anything that would lead to her asking me out, which was partly why I was taken so off guard, or had I imagined it. It was hard to work around college girls and not to take notice of the more beautiful ones. Jean was a good example. Her appearance was all over the place, though. Baggy clothes a short, slightly off-center ponytail, her brash cadence, and soft feminine features all sort of clashed. It was like she couldn't decide who she wanted to be, though she wasn't uncommon at her age. You're not a shrink, Hank, just answer the question. I do, from two to six. Do you know where my office is? Of course, well, no. I wrote my room number on a note card and handed it to her. Fourth floor of the building, my door is always open, swing by whenever. She held the card with both hands as she looked down at it. Right, okay, cool, whatever, I'll see ya. The next class was already filing in, and she had to fight the current bodies coming through the door. My thoughts were still on Jean while I pushed through another lecture. Office hours, huh? With her grades, she didn't really need them. Then again, sometimes discussion with the professor was exactly how you reach the top of the class. And then there were unsavory methods of reaching the top of the class, I thought darkly. God, was I going to become one of those types of educators? If Jean asked, would I be able to successfully decline? It was a relief to finally retreat to my office and be alone with my thoughts. What a headache this was. Being a young professor, my life was now rife with college girls being coy and at times even flirtatious. I was now the subject of a fair bit of female attention, attention I had never experienced in my youth, I simply didn't know how to navigate it. Not like anything would come of it, I thought with a chuckle. Anyway, the next class's materials were already prepped, no quizzes to grade. I tried to focus on reading a study, but my mind kept wandering. Fortunately, not to perverse thoughts of my students. Unfortunately, to resentful thoughts of my ex-girlfriend. Sighing, I reached into my top drawer and pulled out a squash ball, leaning back my chair and flinging it at the wall. I'd gotten a couple of complaints from other professors, but 
I wasn't in the mood to think about all that. Bam. Disloyal, I said, catching the ball neatly as it bounced back to me. Bam. Greedy, I muttered. Bam. Exploitive bitch, I growled. The door opened and the ball slammed into the wall right next to Jean's head. My eyes widened in horror and the ball smacked me right in the face, leaving me reeling. Whoa, teach, Jean yelped. Jesus, should I? Should I come back later or? No, no, come in, I groaned, holding my cheek while I failed to reach the ball on the ground as it rolled away from me. Sorry about that, I paused, looking up at her, suddenly irked. You don't knock? Nope, but I guess you wouldn't have heard anyways, she replied, staying by the door after closing it. Yeah, sorry again, just working through some personal problems. Please have a seat. She hesitated, looking skeptically at the chair across from me. Or stay standing, whatever works for you. With a twist of her lips, she sat. I smiled, letting go of my face. That's kind of bruise, she snickered. Possibly, I agreed. So you said you had some questions? Yeah, she stopped, as if mulling something over. Multiple relationships. I nodded. Where a different type of relationship exists between a therapist and a client beyond the professional one. Right. Does that apply to anything else, like not in psychiatry? Well, our main concern is with psychiatry and ethics, but yes, I suppose the same concept can be applied to other things as well. Take family businesses, for example. The relationship between two people could be both of parent and child, and also of employer and employee. What ends up happening is work follows you home, which, as you can imagine, can be very stressful. Lines start blurring, Jean summed up, and I nodded. So it always ends badly? Not necessarily. Some very successful people work with their spouse, sibling, parent, or child. But in a lot of cases, the problems still stem from an ethical viewpoint. She took a moment to digest, then sighed. So there's a chance. I couldn't help my curiosity. A chance for what? Nothing. I'm going to be late for work. First night on the job. She rose suddenly, hefting her bag back onto her shoulder. Oh, congratulations on the new job. Where do you work? I asked with a smile. Her eyes flitted up to mine and she blushed a bit and mumbled something while looking off to the side. What a rare sight to see her bashful. Then she looked fearful, not the kind of nerves of a teen at their first job, but something else. I raised my brows questionably and she cleared her throat and said a bit louder, I'm a waitress. Just a waitress? Then what was all the embarrassment for? Nothing shameful about being a waitress, especially at her age. Was there something more going on here? Stop being nosy, Hank. Well, then you probably should get going. Like you said, don't want to be late on your first day. She nodded and turned to leave without a word. See you next lesson, Jean. I began packing my own things, then left my office with my briefcase in hand, coat folded over my arm. On my way home, I spotted her on the sidewalk, presumably headed to work. And that niggling feeling in my mind replayed her reaction to her job. Nosy and creepy, I muttered to myself, shaking my head in admonition. Great, I'm a stalker now. I followed her downtown, keeping a decent distance so as to not be spotted. Yes, this was all kinds of wrong, but I had a bad feeling about her job. I couldn't put my finger on it. Was she putting herself in danger working at her new job? Was it at a rough and tumble bar? But then why did she blush?
Shaking my head, I decided it was because I asked her a personal question. It was my best guess. I made up my mind to see where she worked to make sure she was safe, then head home and put it out of my mind. And then she disappeared around a block and I lost her. Shit, I hissed. Had I been made? I looked around. There weren't many places to hide around here, apart from dark alleys. Not many places around at all to come to think of it. The only places around here, a butcher, a cafe, a nightclub, and the cafe was closed. Butchers didn't have waitresses, which meant she worked at a nightclub? I looked up at the squat building lit up with a neon and pit growing in my stomach. With the suggestive colors of the neon, an ugly thought flashed through my mind. Maybe this was a strip club. A tale as old as time, college girls stripping to pay their way through school. It would explain everything I saw in my office. No, no, not Jean. The darker part of me urged me to go in. Who wouldn't want to see their student on a pole? A decent educator, that's who. One who didn't care who their students showed their naked bodies to. But at the same time, I was supposed to guide my wards toward choices that would better their lives, to use mind over matter. In a hazardous mix of jealous lust and a misguided need to protect her, I found myself in a short line to get into the club. I just had to hope nobody I knew saw me here. That would be disastrous. When I got to the head of the line, two bouncers stopped me to see my ID. I handed it to the first one, while the second looked me up and down. With a shake of his head, the first one returned my ID. Nope, sorry, awful, he barked. Then I can just wait, right? I replied, confused. Sorry, buddy, you gotta go. Wait, what kind of club turns people away at the door? It was only at this moment that I realized I'd never gone clubbing before. For all I knew, this was common practice. Buddy, you're no spring chicken, let me tell you that. And here, he cut himself off as he cupped an earpiece, listening to instructions of some sort. He glanced up at me, then to his partner, before straightening up. <laughs> you're in luck, buddy. Looks like we just freed up a spot. That caught me off guard. Just go in? There's no entry fee or anything? The other bouncer snorted. Do you want there to be an entry fee? Swallowing, I walked past them and into the lobby. It turned out the building led underground, and I descended into the belly of that club, opening the double doors that led to the dance floor. Music and lights assaulted my senses, and I felt so out of place in my attire with my briefcase. So it wasn't a strip club. People were dancing in the center of the giant room. Booths ringed the entire spectacle. Looking up, I saw a large black sheet of glass on the ceiling that receded upward at the edges, a room to view the whole dance floor, probably where the DJ was. It was impossible to distinguish anybody in the throng of people here. I had to get out of the way. I secured a booth, and one of the waitresses swung by to take my order. She was maybe in her mid-twenties, dressed like a nun, except no nun would be caught dead wearing the sexy getup she was in. Would you like something to drink, she asked casually. She luckily didn't have to shout over the music since the booth was quieter and allowed for conversation. I placed my briefcase next to me on the seat. Yeah, um, I'll just have a, a martini. I didn't drink much. I didn't party at all, really. I was totally divorced from the crazy lives my students led. It didn't bother me, but it didn't make trying to blend in here very easy either. Sure, I'll be right back with that. The sexy nun walked off and I exhaled heavily. What was I even doing here? It felt like I got caught in the current and was just dragged along for the ride. This was a stupid idea. I looked out at the dance floor, at the sweaty bodies mingling to the beat. 
I was surprised to see patrons even older than I was having the time of their lives. It made me feel that the bouncer had singled me out. My age shouldn't have been a factor in getting in here, especially since I was a few years older than even these waitresses. And speaking of, a waitress returned with my drink, a different girl, this one wearing a lewd student costume. Her white, short-sleeved, button-down shirt was cropped and tied in a knot between her breast, leaving her belly exposed. Her plaid skirt was so short it could barely qualify as clothing, and before she could hand me my drink, she froze, and I looked up to see her hair tied in pigtails. My eyes widened in shock. Professor Lang? She gasped. I couldn't believe it was her. Jean? Chapter 2 will be on the Patreon. This is one of the more, you know, softer, slip into it, build the attraction to get to the touchy-touchy. But if you want some just straight-up nasty fucking, the Patreon's got you, and Law Firm Slut Part 4 will be up as well on Wednesday. So you got both extremes, both extremes, (laughs) different strokes for different folks. I love you, Freaky Family. I will see you next Monday. Dr. Alexandra Stockwell will be with me, and we will be talking about marriage and intimacy, and we will be doing listener questions per usual. Make sure you're subscribed, and I'll see you next week.